0: I think that what has served us well in this moment is that we really have been making this because it feels like kind of an act of survival and an act of a duty that we've needed to provide for these artists and also our community. We hope that it will provide, I mean, I know it's provided some healing for me in the process. um, And my hope is that it will provide that for people who view it because it's, um, we do know that making art at the moment is certainly not something that can be taken for granted because it's just so hard. It's just so freaking hard.
1: Lauren Edson is a choreographer based in Boise, Idaho. She also runs the company LED with her husband. Their latest project is a feature dance film called Ruin, set in a large theater in Boise that has essentially been shuttered since mid-March of 2020.
0: Looking at a space such as this gorgeous theater and every piece of that theater, not just the stage, but the dressing rooms and the lobby and the catwalk and the concessions and the um, loading dock, to see it empty, and uh, unused during this time, it feels like a ruin.
1: On today's episode of Unsequenced, Edson takes us through how this dance film came to be and how each individual artist involved in the project influenced the work. I'm your host, Stephanie Wolfe. Am I remembering correctly that when we first started exchanging emails, there was a hope that it would be a staged production? Yeah,
0: yes, yeah. At what point did you pivot to film? There's a, a theater in town called the Morrison Center, which is um, 2,500 seat theater, which is has been for us the place that we premiere all of our works. And we sell it out and it feels like this big, you know, experience for all the performers and us as creators. So we were somewhat in limbo waiting to hear from the theater of their ability to have audiences into the theater and it kept dwindling and it kept going you know we're at 200 we're at 100 and and I think that was in April probably that we were we just said we're gonna do a film this feels like you know a much um, better way to really put all of our resources into and also I think in so many ways what it was also born of i think of really feeling this need in our community to create something that people could take real agency over themselves so that each of these artists we've collab we collaborated with probably 30 different artists technicians designers it feels like at the end of it having created this thing that has that will become a relic gives us all something that regardless of how like shitty this time has been and how much it feels like we're really like in a time of ruin literally and figuratively I think that it it will in the in the end give us something that we can look back on as a really beautiful experience that we were able to produce something that is really great.
1: The theater itself became a
0: big inspiration for Ruin. It's fallen in so many ways, and it's been left vacant for several months now. So that in and of itself became a real pillar of something that felt like a touchstone that we came back to. like it's come from our own experience of what we know in this time as ruin, what, what we feel like we've lost. And then I, I think that there became lots of different things that would show themselves within, when we started creating, kind of just conceptualizing it, I was introduced to an artist in town named Luma Jasm, who is um, an Iraqi born citizen and she came to Boise as a refugee. She's really prolific in pretty pretty much every medium. She's stop motion animator, visual artist, uh, sculptor, performance artist. And I came across a performance that she had done. And then we had a conversation and she started talking about how she has experienced ruin is in seeing the ruin of individuals and literally People dying in front of her and to have fled Baghdad and to have seen her whole civilization and uh, structures be just billows of smoke. She's this omniscient figure who is um, often on a god mic in the theater and asking and calling <laughs> these individuals <laughs> in each of their spaces to come to the stage. The small small. And the big So I think for me, there was this constant, like um, there's, we see the space as ruined. We see these individuals ruined. They are without their uh, vocation of expression. And so the stage and their journey to stage became the manifestation of trying to make sense of that.
1: Backing up a bit. All of the performers in this film start in these kind of faraway parts of the theater. And as the film progresses, they make their way to the stage.
0: I envision each of these individuals as kind of um, in their own dystopia. It's barren and it's empty and it's, it feels sterile and uh, void of life. So these individuals who are, they're obviously well-versed as dancers, but they each have kind of taken on the role of someone in the theater. At times I've envisioned them like as mole people, you know, they're just in this space that we we don't know how they got there, but they've been inhabiting it for a long time. So they take on the, the role of an usher, a concession worker, a um, stagehand, electrician, but they have within them this uh, performer and as the performer in them it comes out in different ways as somewhat rooted I'd say in movement but not necessarily dance or in singing or in playing the drums or in acting they feel like they're taking on kind of these caricature versions of themselves in the most exaggerated ways and to me there's also this sort of superficiality in that they're they're trying as best they can to muster up this thing in them but they know that they're called for something bigger so in some ways the the stage itself feels like mecca that they're like they are trying to like slough off all of this muck that they have on them that is all that just reeks of superficiality to get to something that feels of greater purpose
1: I mean it strikes me too that as much as in these times we talk about the artist not being able to be back on stage like these theaters being closed or closed for a lot of people, the, the ushers, the, the people who work there, the people who rely on that for their livelihood. So it's not even just the artists that are feeling this kind of emptiness in their life right now with theaters being shut down.
0: Exactly. All these people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
1: Edson breaks down each role in the film.
0: Nell now Josephine's character is the usher. She can just do so many things. She can juggle, she can roller skate really well. And so there was me wanting to kind of create this character that felt like she was continually moving on and trying to regenerate and reinvent and do more. And so her sort of biding of time in this space is to continually discover something new about herself as she makes her way to the stage. Daniel Ojeda is the stagehand. He's very tactile and he's a smoker and a coffee drinker and a drummer. And so he's like constantly moving his hands. He's very much uh, at a fast pace. Sydney Covert is the wardrobe mistress and... Aspiring actress, and so she's very much engrossed with trying to put on these different characters. She has a a wig that she'll put on in a kind of Marilyn Monroe nod, and she puts two balls in her shirt to kind of to imagine herself as, you know, being a starlet.
1: Tony Carnell is the electrician working up in the catwalk.
0: And he's an uh, opera singer, and he uh, sings a long aria as he makes his way throughout the catwalk and into his office where he has a goldfish that he's kind of confides in. And in his solitary, this is the, the thing that provides some solace as he eventually makes his way. All alone. is the um, concession worker and he has had a lot of experience in um, tap dance. so with his character we were trying to create someone that feels like they're they're so meticulous and he's laid out his bonbons and all of the um, candy goods just as he he wants he then he has his tap shoes in the bathroom where he'll do a little ditty in the bathroom as he slicks his hair and walks out the door and then he's constantly finding himself in the mirror and so there's this like showmanship about about him and it feels like he's made for this moment and it's this moment is coming and it's around the corner and he's going to be ready for when he gets the call then i think as that then translates to when he's on stage he kind of delivers the a solo at the end that is in my mind the sort of dismantling of all of this um sort of performative nature And then there's me, the janitor. I don't actually make it to the stage. I choose to to exit before I get to the stage. And why is that? I mean, I think it's a question of free will as well. And my character, I think, was certainly kind of, while we hear Luma say, get up, get up, and, and that's kind of the call that brings everyone to the stage, I decidedly exit the door and instead of joining, feel like there's this, um, you know, I, I, my hope was that it illustrated that there was like the free will to choose not to do that if you want. But also there was a necessity, I think, for myself to not be in too much more so that I could have a handle on everything that I was trying to construct and direct.
1: So yeah, that not everybody is like, Kind of that like tormented artist thing. Not everybody was like so drawn to the stage that they couldn't they know too. yeah. yeah. Before Edson and I spoke, she shared some of the production's creative materials, including what appeared to be a storyboard. I'm curious to hear more about the storyboarding process. Is that a part of your general practice, like laying stuff out that way?
0: No, it's not at all. I think that that came from working with a director whose general purview is in narrative work with lots of dialogue. For me, it was a really great learning experience or eye-opening in ways because we did have a large crew that was involved, you know, in the, the shooting of this. And I think that to provide them with the production Bible gave them a real insight into what it was that we were trying to create. I'd say that most often all these things are just pretty much just packed into my brain in a really tight way. I wrote a script for it and wrote um, everything that happened on stage, I also wrote down in a, in a way that would give the director and cinematographer and everyone working on it just a clear idea of just what, from a, a blocking perspective, from a motivation perspective, uh, what, what we were trying to do, which in some ways um, hurt a bit because I feel like, you know, so much of what I try to create on stage and in any of the works, it doesn't feel like it can be reduced to words. And so I think the sort of battle of needing to produce something that could be a, a document to reference for individuals, yet not taking away The mystery of it, you know, was kind of the sort of line that I tried to walk. Someday, Edson would like to see Ruin as a staged work. While I did make it with the camera in mind, I think that it has the ability to be seen both on an extreme close-up and a wide lens. And I'm happy that it has that. And I I also, as we were making that, I was feeling like it would be super cool if we can ever do it as like a, a, an experience where people could follow in real time the journeys of these individuals from the concessions and then they take it down onto, maybe not on the catwalk, that was a bit harrowing, but, but as they make it their way to the stage and into the theater to feel, you know, as if they were really a part of that pilgrimage
1: she also thinks there's a real power to dance on film.
0: It all has to come from a genuine place. I mean, I think that if you are trying to just take a performance that was intended to be viewed on stage and translate that to film, I think inherently it's going to fall short because it it just wasn't made with that in mind. I believe that Without words, the, the physicality that is provided on screen is something that you can't often even come close to with dialogue. And And I think that our challenge as filmmakers and using specifically dance and movement is to rise to that level and make sure that we are showing how valid this is, not just in the dance niche audience, but in a broad audience. And I, I believe that in order for all of these films that are being made by independent artists or choreographers or organizations in order for it to really have a place in a larger conversation, we have to take it out of just the dance world. Otherwise, it is not gonna feel relevant. I mean, how could it? Small things are never small Big's not really big at all. Grandest of design is built with tiny things and time in this big little
1: That's dancer and choreographer Lauren Edson discussing the dance film Ruin, the latest project from the Boise-based performing company Edson co-directs called LED. The film is expected to be released in fall of 2021. Unsequenced is produced and mixed by me, Stephanie Wolfe, with additional audio support by Justin Epstein from RYBG. The music you heard in this episode from the dance film Ruin was composed by Andrew Stances, co-founder of LED. Joe Kai composed our theme music, and a shout out to our Patreon subscribers. They make all of this audio storytelling possible. You can join them at patreon.com/slash DIY dancer. Find unsequenced wherever you get your podcast, and thanks for listening.